Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Well, open your Bibles to Ephesians 6.12. I'm so excited to be speaking in this series because as Pastor said a couple weeks ago, he said this was my idea to do this warfare series. And he's been hit hard since we started it. I've been hit hard for sure because the enemy really would love if we just stay empathetic and just stay where we're at in our maybe confusion or our numbness. And so I understand where we may be uh, when it comes to what is the spiritual realm. But what I've learned is it takes a lot to shake me into awareness. Uh, Because Pastor and I have survived our hardest day, and then survived our hardest day again, and then survived our next hardest day. It really takes Satan to wake me up, like a really hardcore thing, and I have three stories I'm gonna share today. And then it also takes something really, really major to get God to take my shoulders and say, you need to wake up. And so I have three crazy stories, and really, since we started this series, I have more than three. But this is the three, these are the three I'm gonna tell you about. Uh, the first one started at the reserve in North Carolina. It's our retreat center. And Pastor Becky and I, she's the pastor of Journey to Wholeness, we were up in the level uh, two, so upper level of a sunroom, and for half a mile in three directions, basically the entire property, you can see if somebody is coming up the road with their headlights or with a phone flashlight or a flashlight. And so we knew we were out there alone. It was 11 o'clock at night. Uh, And then suddenly we hear an aggressive knock right below us at the door below us. I immediately, like in my gut, in my spirit, I knew it wasn't a person because how did they sneak up on us? We would have seen or heard, even the leaves, you would have heard somebody coming. Uh, So we both sprung to action like, hello, but we knew what it was. But we did because it makes sense. It's a knock, call the cops, right? So we called the cops out. My second story is we almost got kicked off a plane going to the Dominican Republic. Pastor shared this a few weeks back. Uh, It caused a 45-minute delay after we were all boarded. So these people were very excited to be wasting time for their all-inclusive Dominican resort vacation that has now been delayed 45 minutes because right after we got boarded, I spilled on myself, which I'm surprised there's nothing on my shirt because I am a spiller. So my husband, your pastor, he doesn't even react. He just sees the spill, gets up, goes and gets a napkin. And he goes to the flight attendant and asks for a napkin and she lost her mind on him. She wanted him kicked off the plane. And so for 45 minutes, we were delayed as she tried to get him kicked off the plane with every personnel from Delta she could get on the plane. My third story, begin. I'm just giving you the beginnings right now. My third story was a uh, pastor left our house. He went out of town, which is very common in our life. I set the alarm and the alarm pad, it looks like a keypad or an iPad, was on the wall. And so I'm laying in bed. I've just set the alarm. 20 minutes uh, ago, I set the alarm and it starts flashing red and this siren in the house starts going off. I found out I'm not 
fight, I am flight, because I just stood up and said, oh my God, oh my God. I didn't know where a gun or a knife was. So I just stood there for a while, knowing this was not a false alarm, but having my worst fears come uh, at me when I went to the keypad, and in fact, it said, kitchen window break. My greatest fear growing up has been that an intruder would kill me. So I went in the bathroom, and I knew I was gonna die uh, for seven minutes as I waited for the police. So immense fear took over. But all three of these stories finally pushed me to pray the armor of God. Now, we have young adults, and so they do the TikTok video memes, whatever you call them, where you see POV on the screen, right? POV means point of view. And so this is, if I were to create one, which I actually did FaceTime my daughter and say, is this is how I would do it? She goes, mommy, that'll work. God POV. This is God's point of view to me, God POV. You know, Sonny, you can pray for the armor without having to be pushed beyond yourself. Like without this kind of fear, you can already pray it. I'm like, this is me in response. Hmm, I could, but I am strong and capable on a normal day. So until it's too late, I don't actually pray the armor of God. I think it's interesting that Pastor Shelby talked about armor and military because I had remembered back when these stories were starting to happen, like I think spiritual warfare, the way you fight it is the armor of God. But like, that just sounds like a kid's Sunday school lesson. Like, what does that really mean? Well, I'm telling you, when you're laying in bed, scared to death that you almost died, you begin to dig into what was that verse and what does it mean? So these three stories were like three strikes for Satan. He pushed this girl one too many times. He woke a sleeping giant. And in fact, last Sunday, I went to the reserve at dark, at night, on purpose, because it's been months now of me praying the armor of God. And I all but said, demons, show yourself. Like I was like, I'm that determined and Pastor Shelby, I felt today and Pastor Dallas were that determined to wake up. And what I love is that Satan pushed us just a little too far. So the title of today is you messed with the wrong one, Satan. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are waking us up and God, it's fine you start from the leadership down, but God, I pray after today, we are so awoken to the truth and Satan finds out it blew up right in his face. In Jesus' name, amen. So Satan woke me from a numbness, which many of us are in because people believe that life has been reduced to two dimensions, the human self and the physical environment. Like everything can supposedly be traced to and explained by two dimensions. So when we go to my story, I hear a knock. That's a human knock on a door, right? Simple as that. We go to the flight attendant and she's saying him or me and it's just somebody with a, a human emotion, right? That's all that it is. Uh, we see the kitchen window break on my, my screen and I just go, it's a physical environment. Like it's, it's something happened and I'll tell you in a minute what happened. I end up with four cops in my house, two on the perimeter, I'll tell you now, and my cabinet door fell off. Just a physical environment. You know, the cops bring me out. They're like, ma'am, come. I'm thinking, you need to have your gun drawn. Why am I just walking with you with your gun in your holster? What's happening in my house? Well, they had already seen the cabinet. Physical environment, we're done, right? That's, that's it. So we can, we can minimize things to two realms. But I'm here to tell you there are four realms. There are four realms. The Bible shares all four. Human self, which we talked about, the physical environment, the living God, which is more glorious than any of us could imagine, and the heavenly places, where non-material superhuman powers and forces exist, influencing material and the human more than we realize. 
Paul, who gives us Ephesians 6.12 that we're going to talk about today, uh, he reminds me of Pastor Dallas. And if you have seen Pastor Dallas when he doesn't look as dressed up, he is a superhero guy. And I picture Paul, who would have been trained in the Old Testament and all the stories of King David and warriors and Gideon's army. And he would have been like probably a little boy starting at, at 13. He would have started to be trained in these scriptures and he'd been like, yeah, like if they had t-shirts back then, Paul probably would have had a, a warrior on his t-shirt. He knew Roman military because they surrounded him in his time when he was an adult man. So he's actually in prison writing Ephesians and he would have had Roman guards around him all the time. And I wonder if it reminded him of the armor of all his superheroes. And then he writes this about Satan's kingdom and how it's militarily aligned. In Ephesians 6, 12, he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So Paul just listed, we, we fight against rulers. And I'm giving you in your notes on version, which you can follow along or on the side screens, the Greek word for each of these. Rulers, rulers, is ancient, it, the, the word that was used means ancient times, individuals who hold the highest and loftiest position of rank and authority. So these rulers, the archaic rulers, probably are rulers that have been in place since Lucifer's fall. That's level one. Then he talks about powers. This is delegated authority. This is a lower second level group of evil beings. Demon spirits delegated authority from Satan. Number three, the rulers of the darkness of this world. This comes from a compound word, cosmos and kratos, which means order or arrangement and raw power. What this is saying is the raw power that has been harnessed and put into some kind of order it reminds me of the 300 movie. And I did do some research yesterday. I told my husband I was gonna watch 300. He said, yeah, I'm, he knows that, you know, what the guys look like on 300. And Gerard Butler and all of you are going, that's a naughty movie. I know, I had to fast forward a lot. But what I did realize is that it was made in 2007. And so back then it was more shocking because there wasn't CrossFit and there wasn't Instagram. Now I've seen all kinds of guys' abs and I'm like, they're all the same. They look just like my husband's. And so anyway, I watched 300. And I, I, I realized that this is the kind of thing Paul was talking about. You know, I think, again, we minimize to two dimensions, so we also like to minimize from that's the movie, and that's Hercules, and that's a cartoon, and then this is the Bible. And like, they're not intertwined, but they actually are, because the Bible is historical, and these things are historical, which when things start to get spiritual, like they do in the 300, we go, oh, it must be like a comic book. No, 300 is very, very um, authentic to what really happened. There were kings and there were princes that were demonically possessed. So I think in 2007, I wrote that movie off as a crazy comic book-like movie. 300, you wanna learn about the demon, the demonic realm and armies and military? Be ready to fast forward some naughty parts, but you will learn there. And this is what's crazy to me, is that uh, the fourth thing that Paul said was principalities. And that, you get the word prince. There were um, princes that God created that are angelic, spiritual powers and forces to be part of running the universe. So there are princes that would be angels. God created all princes, all principalities. But some obey and some cooperate and some don't. 
They cooperate or they don't. So the princes can be angels or fallen angels. So last week when pastor talked about the Chaldeans and that army and that they went extinct, and then he said that they turned into warriors, demonic spirits, trying to possess dwelling places that weren't theirs. I thought, oh my gosh, we didn't even talk about this. And we, we did not until first service. He didn't know that I was already going to talk about Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. And then he talked about the Chaldean empire, which Nebuchadnezzar's father was the founder of the Chaldean Empire. So when Pastor talked about the Chaldeans last week, I looked up, this, I looked up right after I watched the message last Sunday what Google had to say because I know what the Bible has to say. And Google said that Cyrus the Great of Persia invaded the Chaldean army and took over the city of Babylon. Soon after the Persian victory, all the cities of the Chaldean Empire fell to the Persians. I'm like, okay, there's a connection. He talked to Chaldeans. When they were extinct, they became hosts, demonic hosts. They were looking for somewhere to inhabit, but then they were taken over by the Persians. What comes next? Listen to this. The prophet Daniel in the book of Daniel says, in Daniel 10.1, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel who was named Belhousis, Belhousisar, which means, which is actually his name, his pagan name that was put on him. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict, and he understood the word and understanding of the vision. Basically, Daniel knew he was under oppression. So Daniel started to fast for 21 days. This might ring a bell. We do a 21-day Daniel fast every January. Daniel had did, done 21 days of fasting to lift this spirit, and this is what the heavenly messenger says to him in Daniel 10:13. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me, withstood the angel, 21 days up in the heavenlies. But Michael, archangel Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me for I was left there with the kings of Persia. So what, what am I saying here? What's happening? The kings of per Persia are clearly human beings, but the prince of Persia appears to be a non-human force as does Michael, the archangel, who is the chief prince. What happened is that for all of these 21 days and for the 50 days you've been praying and the 10 years and the 20 years you've been believing, there is a war going on in the heavenlies. And what Daniel discovered is that this angel came and said, this is what's been going on. So in Daniel 10, 20, it says, then he said, the angel, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. That's a spirit, prince of Persia. And when I go, when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will go, will come. But I tell you that it is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. What is this saying? Why did he say the prince of Greece would come? Because when one demon goes, another comes. Why is Greece important to know? One of the false gods worshiped in Greece was Hermes, and it's a spirit associated with intellect and communication. Greeks believed that their human wisdom and understanding was perfect and could solve anything. So when the prince of Persia, the spirits of that had, who had already overcome the Chaldean spirit, now it's the Persian spirit, but when Michael, the archangel, gets rid of the Persian spirit, then the spirit, the prince of Greece comes in. Now this could offend some of you if you are from sororities or from fraternities, but listen to this. Since Greek spirits are based on knowledge and intellect, is it any surprise that it is at universities where fraternities and sororities make their members vow allegiance to Greek lettering to come into covenant with these spirits? 
That is the ancient principality marking his territory over the realm of knowledge and its institution. You wanna fight somebody who's into knowledge and um, science, and you're trying to talk about faith, there could be a spirit of, we can solve everything with science, with intellect, with knowledge. Plato, Plato was, I mean, people still quote Plato, and Plato was part of the, the scope of things when the Spartans, the Greeks, the Persians were around. It's a way of thinking, but it's a spirit. And let me show you how it's powerful in a spirit. I'm gonna give you a formula. P equals O plus I. P, powers, are not spiritual ghosts inhabiting and gonna jump on you out in a dark alley. That is not what powers are. Powers consist of an outer manifestation, O, and an inner spirituality, I. So for example, in my story, I just told you, O, the outer manifestation is the king of Persia. He really existed. But the inner spirituality is that it was the prince of Persia. It was a demon within. It was a principality in the physical person. So all princes, all principalities are created by God for God's purposes. Some obey and some rebel. Created, not eternal, and not God's equal. C.S. Lewis helps us understand this. He said that he was often asked if he believed in devil, in the devil and rulers and powers and forces. And I can tell you that there are Christians that we start talking about this and this is where they get, you get squirmy. He said, if by devil, do I believe in the devil? If by devil you mean a power opposite to God and like God, self-existent from all eternity, the answer is certainly no. There is no uncreated being except God. God has no opposite. The proper question is whether I believe in devils. I do. That is to say, I believe in angels and I believe that some of these, by the abuse of their free will, have become enemies of God. Satan the angel is not the opposite of God. He is the opposite of Michael, the archangel. So this is what we find out. Ephesians 1.20 says, He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. So what I am saying is that we don't work that we don't work toward a victory over these demons. We work from victory. That God is so bigger, and Pastor talked about this, so much bigger, the only equal with Satan is Michael the archangel. So let me put this in perspective with the formula. Power equals O plus I. I was awoken with a knock, not like physically awoken, but it woke me up when I heard a physical knock. Even the cop that came out freaked out. We asked her to go look around the property. She said her eyes were huge and she nodded and then she beelined off the property. She was freaked out too, like it was demonic. Um, the, the infuriated flight attendant, I forgot that we were going to the Dominican where I've been on mission trips before where I've seen witch doctors with their sacrificed animals hung in front of unsuspecting people's homes to get rid of their ailment as he's doing and dancing in a demonic witch doctor way. I have seen that, so should I have been surprised when my family of four who just want some time together and loves Jesus is, an at is attacked by a flight attendant who said on the phone or on the little mic before she got mad that she was Dominican. There is a 
spirit in her, it was far greater than she just had an issue about a napkin that was fighting the spirit and manifesting against the spirit in my husband. When I laid in bed and I knew it was a cabinet door, that's what happened. The cabinet door fell off. When I knew it was not an intruder, I had more fear in my home now that I know it's not an intruder. That makes no sense. It's because it is a power that comes from an outer and an inner manifestation and equals what feels like an overwhelming power. So the warfare pushed me to a solution though, and I have a solution for you. So if we look at our verse in Ephesians, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Schemes means methods. A knock was a method. A flight attendant was a method, it was a scheme. A cabinet door was a scheme, it was a method. And for, then it goes on to say in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy, of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Where did Paul get this imagery of, of soldiers of armor? He, like I said, would have been a fan of this as a child, but now he's around Roman soldiers because he's in prison and Roman soldiers are coming in in their gear. So that would have been one thing that he thought, let's, let's relate this to putting on the armor. But get this, how this connects with the movie 300. I got this uh, not in the Bible. This is from research I did. Perhaps the greatest example of what Paul meant when he said to stand came at the battle where the king of Sparta that's Gerard Butler, and 300 soldiers held the pass against the vastly superior Persian army. Paul was no doubt aware of this event. He may have even been thinking of it when he told the Ephesians to stand. Now, we're not fighting Persia, he seems to be saying. Instead, we fight a much more powerful foe. The spiritual army of Satan has leaders in high places. The army is all around us. There are even traitors among our acquaintances who betray us like one did with Sparta for the vain promises of the God King. Do you know that Israel that got attacked yesterday it was attacked by Hamas. Do you know where Hamas comes from and is supported by? Iran. Do you know what Iran was? Persia. There is an Islamic war against the God of Jehovah, the, the Jesus we know. This is not a political battle. This is not your, no battles. I mean, the, I think about the Holocaust. That was a demonic war. What's going on is a demonic war. How eerie that Persia is an attack of God's chosen, the Jewish people. Now, some of you are like, yeah, but I read the news and I heard the news and, you know, Israel's been bombing innocent. Listen, there's a difference in Israeli soldiers. I've been to Jerusalem and the Holy Land multiple times. There's a difference in Israeli soldiers who are also on assignment from hell because Satan will even, we learned, go after any kind of person, including Christians, if we have a crack. There's a difference in Israeli soldiers 
and in the, cho the chosen people, the Jewish people in the Holy Land in Jerusalem. This is all out war. So Paul was already like, this is the life he lived in. And then the other imagery that he would have got about a soldier is from Jesus himself. Because back in the Old Testament, hundreds of years earlier, Isaiah said, about the coming Messiah, about Jesus before he showed up. Listen to this. Righteousness will be the belt about his loins and faithfulness the belt about his waist. We put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. So I'm gonna give you the solution in the next seven minutes that you can pray day or night against the demonic forces. Don't think of this like, uh, I, I already pray the Lord's Prayer. I already pray what I was told to pray in Catholic school. Like I've already got like this devotional plan. Here's the thing, I want you to think about putting on the armor of God like we put on our clothes. And sometimes you need to pray the night before for the day ahead, not the morning of for the day. Because you know, there's times that I'll put on my workout clothes so that the next morning, I'll put them on at night. So when I get out of bed, I have no choice but to go work out because now I've really have no excuse. There are times that I need to pray the armor of God, if not always, the night before to cover me and my family through the night, through the dreams and into the next day. And so it is as simple as praying these things. And you say, really, you just pray? Yeah, you literally just pray the six pieces of the armor of God over yourself and your family. You're praying to put them on one by one in the spiritual sense, it's a putting on. Putting on clothes is not a chore. It seems logical, it seems normal. We're just gonna start putting these on. Number one, the belt of truth. The, the verse 14 says, stand firm, having girded your loins with truth. Their, their home clothes or their pajamas or their normal clothes, the Romans, were, was just a tunic, just a plain linen dress. But if they were going to war or putting on their armor, they would tuck it up into their belt. That was girding their loins. They would tuck it into the belt. I want you to look at this. The belt has armor. That, the parts that are hanging down, that's for the boys for their vulnerable parts. There's, le there's covered plates to protect. Did Paul mention this first because it's one of the first areas where we can fail? Our identity and who we are because we are seeing a serious diminishing of truth. So he starts with the belt of truth, true north, especially in the loins, in the guts, in that place that you grapple with life. Consider this in John 8, 44. When the devil speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. If we don't start with truth in our armor, we've lost the battle because we are wearing the enemy's colors. Let that settle in. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. Standing firm, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now this was metal front and back. It protected the heart, lung, and stomachs. And First um, John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is not being in right standing with God. Uh, I need a realigning and a correction every day. And can I tell you that after the cupboard fell off and I laid in bed in fear and I'm on the phone with my husband, like, just stay on the phone. Let me hear you breathe. I was so freaked out because I knew it was demonic. So I felt like that screen's going to go off again just to mess with me. And so I laid there in fear and I started to pray, God, I pray. And the first thing that I prayed for, and I fell asleep so quick, I prayed for the breastplate of righteousness. That night I had a dream that revealed where I was not in right standing with God and man. 
I was, felt like I was in right standing with God, but I wasn't right standing with man. God, I woke up and God said, send them the money that they think you owe them. You don't think you owe them, they think you owe them. Get in right standing, send the money. Sent the money, and that was the four-week streak, the linchpin that led to, we got exactly on Sunday mornings for four weeks, exactly to the to the dollar what we were needing and what we were praying for, which were huge miracles and stretches. So what happened is that Satan used it to frighten me. God used it to have me pray a prayer of righteousness. I prayed it, God gave me what I asked for and pointed out where I wasn't righteous. I woke up, I was told, you're not righteous here, here's the linchpin. I pulled the linchpin and I did the thing he said and miracles happened. See how the armor of God, it may not always be fun and that was not fun for me, but now I'm grateful that I was scared to death because a cupboard fell off. The breastplate, go ahead, give God. The breastplate of righteousness is critical because demons are drawn to unrighteousness. Some of us are like, I don't watch horror movies anymore and like I don't have cracks. Demons are drawn to unrighteousness. I'm a pastor who didn't think I had anything yucky. I was prayed up and everything. And God revealed to me in a dream where someone had an issue with me. Demons are drawn to unrighteousness. Number three, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So shoes were critical in the Roman soldier's armor. They needed firm footing. If you did see 300, lots of mountains, lots of rocks. But I wonder if Isaiah 52, seven is what Paul had in mind when he said it. Because it says, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, announcing peace, saying to Zion, your God reigns. Our shoes are not to stomp people, like to bring the good news and the peace. What that saying is, what I'm telling you if you're a Jesus person today and what you'll tell other Christians is like, come on, get the armor on, get the truth, get the righteousness. But it's saying, go with the gospel of peace that you wouldn't shout this from your social media. This wouldn't be something that you would try to beat somebody over the head with. Like I went to my chiropractor in um, somewhere and they weren't, I knew they weren't saved because I'd had conversations before. That day I actually got to the third piece of armor. Often I fall asleep before I get all three. There's a peace that comes over me. That day, that night before I had prayed for the shoes of readiness. And that day at my chiropractor, he wanted to talk about all things church and God. That's what praying for that. It readied me. I left the chiropractor and thought, what? Why was today different than most appointments? I prayed for the shoes of readiness. But you know what he didn't need to know? That demons are out to get you (laughs) and everything I'm telling you. He needed to know the soft, kind, loving peace of the gospel. So the fourth one is the shield of faith. This is where you'll be able to extinguish the fiery missiles of the evil one. The kind of shield Paul was referring to would have actually not looked a lot like what I've shown you. This just looked cool to me. And I wanted everything from a museum because I didn't want some drawn picture. I was like, no, I want real stuff. So I like this, but it would have been more of a long, almost like chin down to ankle type uh, shield. And it would have been made of two layers of wood covered with linen and then leather. It was long enough to cover the whole body, but if the arrows came, even flaming ones, the leather would usually put out the fiery 
flame. And so when Paul says the flaming missiles of the evil one, it's because arrows were soaked in pitch and lit on fire. And I wonder how many fiery darts come to us and we're unaware of them. Darts of lustful, hateful, judgmental thoughts and imaginations. Darts of accusation and slander. Darts of doubt in the goodness and faithfulness of God. But do we extinguish them? Because really, do we notice a million little cuts? Do we notice the little pecks of these little darts? Do we notice that they're actually Satan or do we just put them in our two-dimensional world? Then fifth, the helmet of salvation, it was made of a tough metal like iron or bronze. It was lined with felt or sponge, making the weight bearable of salvation. Since Paul is already writing to the Christians, when he's talking about helmets of salvation, he's not talking about going to heaven here. He's talking about decision-making on earth. Uh, God wants to control our thinking. The word salvation here for the helmet actually means deliverance. We're delivered already from eternity in hell if we have the salvation of Jesus. However, this is a deliverance of a salvation. So I pray the helmet of salvation upon my kids, that the attacks and the thoughts and all of that, that they would have a salvation and a deliverance from satanic attack and defeat. In fact, Romans 12, two says, the renewing of the mind is what God wants for us. Second Corinthians 10, five says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The last of the six, sword of the spirit. This is the most personal weapon, the most prestigious, the most uh, versatile, and it was for close combat. Uh, The sword was the only offensive piece of armor. And my swords are a little long. Uh, but the sword that they're talking about would be the shortest one. It's not the sword of Jesus, according to Paul, not the sword of the Father, but the sword of the Holy Spirit. This means the Word of God is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The power of the Spirit is released by God's Word. And so victory over the enemy is possible only by using the sword, the Word of God. Jesus modeled this in the wilderness. In fact, it's important to know that Jesus spoke scriptures out loud to the devil. Most of devils, the devil's attacks are in our mind, but our fight against these attacks has to be with our mouth. When Satan throws darts at you in the form of thoughts or feelings, you cannot fight back with thoughts. And that's what we try to do. Open your mouth and speak out scripture as Jesus did. Fighting demonic thoughts and human thoughts does not bring victory. Every time you speak scripture, you are stabbing Satan. Think of it as a spiritual stabbing. Now, you don't have to have all the scriptures memorized, all of them by heart. Have your Bible nearby. Your phone is always with you. Have you version. Where you start to have these thoughts, you speak them out loud. A Roman soldier would use a short dagger because it was close quarter battles. And I'm telling the, you the assault on your life and your family and your mind, they're a frontal attack. They're intimate, they're personal. So turn the knife on Satan and counterattack aggressively. Satan is allergic to scripture. For the word of God, Hebrews says, is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and of intentions of hearts. So the last part of my solution, because yes, that was the six pieces, but it doesn't stop. There is no break in the scripture, which means this goes right along with it. Ephesians 6.18 says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. We counter a spirit with the opposite spirit. We have got to be filled with the Holy Spirit.
It's not enough to just say, yeah, I'm a Jesus person or I'm a Christian or I was raised a Christian or my grandma was a Christian. Because unfortunately and fortunately, God will allow things to shake you like he allows it to shake us, to get our attention, to say, this is not a two-dimensional battle. This is an outer manifestation and an inner spirituality that is a power that we have to wake up to. Jesus, get this, was tempted by the devil, but he quoted three passages. Jesus was like, three strikes and you're out, Satan. And I was like, three strikes and you're out, Satan. Three strikes and he woke me up. Are you awake? Will you bow your head and close your eyes? God, I just pray right now in this moment that those of us who have lived in a two-dimensional, it feels safer, it feels easier, but it's not easier. It's not safer. God, then when we do hear about things or, or sense something, we're freaked out when we have, we have all of the power through you. God, we don't have to worry about if our kids are gonna be in a car accident later this week when that fear tries to grip us because God, we know we have the power you've given us to pray the armor of God to fight the spiritual warfare that we are walking into every moment we are awake. So God, thank you that we can be bold and courageous and not fear in this. With your heads bowed, your eyes still closed. If you need Jesus in your life, you're like, I need to come back to Jesus or I just need to ask Jesus as my Lord and Savior into my life before we even pray about the spiritual warfare side. If that's you and you need Jesus in your life. Will you raise your hand? I'm not going to have you up here. I'm just going to look at you. Yes, yes, thank you. In the middle, yes, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Over to this side. If you need Jesus, thank you, thank you. Did I miss anybody? Everybody in this room, repeat after me. Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Make me new be my Lord, be my Savior, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew On That. The Chew On That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.